You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. To episode 182 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. My name is Len Phillips, creator of RunJetLive.com, and this episode of the STA podcast is, as always, being recorded live on a Tuesday at 8 o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel and the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page. So if you are listening to the podcast, thank you very much. Do please leave a review and a rating. It makes all the difference in helping us get out there to a larger audience. In this episode shortly, we shall be hearing about and discussing optimizing communication with clients and other health professionals with special guest Andrew McCauley, the founder of ProCare Sports Medicine. This episode is actually going to fit in very nicely with next week's episode, 183, which is going to be recorded on Tuesday, the 30th January, which is entitled Physiotherapy versus Sports Therapy in which I'm going to be joined by a group of physios and a group of sports therapists. So we're going to basically battle it out to see who truly is the best. No, I'm joking. Obviously. Now I'm going to be joined by three physios and three sports physios. Yeah. And, and physiotherapists. And they're just going to talk about, yes, the tumultuous relationship, which there sometimes exists between physios and entities. But through communication, I imagine we're going to agree that there are more similarities and differences. But that's the topic communication the episode is going to be streamed as well to the wonderful general oliver's facebook group the msk hut supported by physiomatters and mehag for which those of you are unaware is a collaborative open network professional therapist that was born from covid and it includes physios osteos chiros medics sports therapists sports massage therapists and so on so if you would like to join us for that that'll be next week if you want to join us live also before i start tonight my guest is waiting very patiently downstairs, but I might, he's already started rubbing his head in a slight primitive way, so I don't leave him down there for too long. But I do have to thank last week's uh, guests, David Barrow and Simon Taylor of Rehab Guru, the founders, who together talked us through not just a very comprehensive end-to-end patient management features of Rehab Guru, but also the importance and the benefits in this digital age, ensuring the provision of optimum patient-to-client experience, which again ties in very nicely to the aspect of communication, uh, which we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, if you haven't checked out the website yet, and I do encourage you, go to rehabguru.com. There's a load of information on there. Remember, it's not just exercise prescription software, although it's very good what it's got. It's also all the forms and everything you would need to look after your client from the beginning to the end, including the booking, the invoices, everything you can need, the whole client experience. On all available podcasts, um, also on YouTube, if you want to watch the video. And yeah, check it out. Right, I've left him downstairs for long enough. Like I say, tonight um, on this episode, we'll be talking to Andrew McCauley, who is a very enigmatic and very, I'm trying to think about the words now to pick him up, very respected sports scientist and sports and conditioning leader with a degree in PE, sports science, a master's in sports and exercise medicine. He's also delivers the internationally acclaimed course on Rambling SC therapists and some of you may have seen him at therapy expo this year where he had a few presentations including one yesterday therapy update theater which is when does measure force matter in re when does measuring force matter in rehab really enigmatic and great educator in our industry so very excited to have him along so without further ado in this episode 182 optimizing communication with clients and other health professionals i should now bring up special guest andrew mccauley you're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing? Good. I've just been a bit primal now, sorry. A little bit. It's kind of bothered. like a double-handed social grooming thing going on. Hi, I'm sorry <laughs> about that. You can see me. Oh, I can see everything. <laughs> Lucky was just my head. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the time. I was struggling for adjectives to describe because I and a lot of other people are really impressed with you at Therapy Expo and I actually felt ashamed not knowing more about you before you suddenly appeared because I'm not to say this to kind of like big up your ego, ego, your ego but also other therapists other speakers have had on the show were coming to me going oh I'm looking forward to Andrew's presentation he's here isn't he later on and this included people like Angela Jackson I know we have friends and colleagues um, and also else was there chris tyler was telling me about that never too old to lift.com andy hosgood 
um, was telling me as well, oh, Andrew's there. I was going, oh, yeah, that would be good. Thank you. But then, <laughs> and I felt really guilty because then you came along and I was like, how do I not know about this guy? Because it was brilliant the information you gave. And yeah, I felt very ashamed. But then I realized we talked and, and now, hey, happy days for putting on here. You're forgiven. So my first question is, how come you're so popular? What is it? Is it a mixture of everything or what do you put it down to? Is it? <laughs> I didn't think I was that popular. <laughs> oh, you are, mate. You really are. <laughs> Chris, nice from Chris because Chris did my course a long time ago. I don't know, man. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty straight down the line. I'm not. I'm, I suppose I'm not all over social media that much. That you know, that's that's a difficult one for me. I tried to get on for a bit, but you know. So I, I just try and be. I, I you know, which sounds really naff, but yeah, I just you know, I just the, the course is is really like I, I listened to a guy called Seth Gordon, and you know, when I design the course, I I do or design any teaching or any kind of lectures. I was always interested in the people who are going to watch it and try and keep them entertained. Like, you know, because if you're going to come on it, I've been on plenty of courses and I'm not saying mine are, is amazing or anything, but I do try and entertain you for, for the time because sitting there for longer than half an hour or an hour gets really hard. And yes, information is great, but it eventually wears thin, you know, only so many references and so many patient scenarios. So I try and, you know, implement some sort of um, things that make people remember the presentation and, I remember watching Louis Gifford. I live in Cornwall, and he he did a talk for, for the NHS when he when I came down here first, and it was not like any other talk I'd seen before in a, in a kind of like a, in an educational medical background. He didn't really care. He swore a lot, which I really liked, and he was just everyone loved it. And they were laughing, and it was like I came away going, I, I just won't forget that talk ever. And that's what I think I try and do as much as I can. So maybe that's why I don't know. That's a brilliant answer to what was a was a terrible question, really putting you on the spot. But yeah, I never realised you had that connection here with Louis Gifford. I mean, that's a great educator and sad loss to everybody. That's amazing. Of course, being down the Cornwall. But yeah, that explains why. And also, I like the fact you're not on social media because I'm working in this industry. I do tend to be surrounded and go first to the person I see on social media. So the fact you're not there as much is, is yes, testimony to you and yeah, the great work that you did. So great, that solves that. It's your second time, wasn't it? Fair bit, if I remember right. Yeah, second time. Yeah, I did. I did a couple of. T- well, no, I did one talk the year before. Why patients are liars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd seen that um, already, but uh, yeah, it was all right. How do you find the event? I mean, you haven't. It's changed a lot since it first started ten years ago. But how did you find it? Yeah, as it, as, as it was only uh, it was my first time last year, so it's quite difficult for me to compare because this year was very similar again and as we kind of discussed off off air you know the quality there was was great as well like you know if you're going there there was definitely a whole bunch of talks there was a lot of talks maybe i'm I'm not so much interested in but there was some news product there was good products there as well that were useful as well it wasn't just about you know getting rid of pain you know what i mean there's only so many ga- gimmicks you can do or get gadgets and stuff and but you know there was a lot of stuff there that was looking at measurement and looking a little bit more you know at at, at how you could yeah assess things objectively, which I was quite was you know that was quite good, and it was great. I really liked it because I've met last year from a networking point of view. It's it was really good. Did not expect that, and and I've and I've actually built really like and again yourself there, and a whole bunch of other people, and it's just it's not like totally intense. So you can kind of walk around and you can spend 15, 20 minutes chatting with people, and you know what I mean it's not like it's different to another conference where it's like a talk right three, four talks, short break, you might get stuck with somebody for 15 minutes and then you're back in again. Whereas you don't feel obliged to always have to go to the talks and you kind of wander around and you and you meet really great people actually. And so it did, did surprise me from that point of view. And it's great to do the talks as well. Really nice venue, the, the, you know, the, the tech and everything there is really cool. So I, I enjoyed it, it was great. That's great. And it's really interesting you noticed the slight change in the content for the stands and the things people are selling there because traditionally that's been a problem especially if you like a few years ago well when it first started like 10 9 years ago there was myself there there was adam meekins there was jack chu there was seth o'neill there was mike stewart yeah, yeah mike stewart who's also been down with Louis gift and stuff in cornwall and we were coming out with kind of quite kind of like stuff which wasn't really mainstream with the kind of you know it's very mostly battle orientated which since have moved on but it didn't mix very well with the 
120 different types of massage gun down the road, you know, so there was this kind of difference between what was being sold in the events and what we were saying. But now, and this is something I was talking to with the organisers the other day, in fact, Vernon Smee is appointed as the coordinator. Vernon, you have to tell me what your position is for the Expo. But one of the things we chatted about was we should be working closer with the people who are on the stands, with the products. And you know what? Like you just said, now we can be. Because if we're doing a talk, we're talking about the important measurements. This is what we should be saying. By the way, Sanso's down the road. Now you can go and see them. Yeah. And I think because now we're all more on an episode of page, both the stands and speakers, we're all kind of more seeing from the same book, as it were. So we can yeah. fix more, which is so good. There's not this. And even with the MSK conference as well, which once upon a time was physios against massage therapists. And some of the stuff which was being claimed by the massage therapists was, was pretty were wrong and and so it's difficult for allied health professionals to associate it but now again we're kind of all seeing the same book so it's an exciting place i think um so the expert yeah exciting. i think I'm, i've got a meeting next week with them actually to talk about the stuff we just saw there that they seem to be reaching out and looking for 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 that so that's really good there we go thanks but and sorry I've, I've been ill for the last two days gary knows all about it you know all about it don't know too much details about what I've been up to. But yeah, business development manager, Vernon. That is what you are. Sorry, I've got brain like a sick tonight. You may have noticed. Anyway, right. All about you now, Andrew McCauley. <laughs> I'm interested because one of the things I want to know about your web, your, how your website started, and also your studies, because one of the things on your website, it says sports medicine is still in its infancy in the UK. So obviously you've studied that. Um, you did a master's in sports and exercise medicine. What is it about sports medicine which kind of separates it maybe from the other masters or degrees you've been doing? Yeah, so, yeah, it's a great question. I think I did mine in uh, Exeter, which has which was there because uh, I live in Cornwall, so it was it was great because it was two hours I could actually take a day off work and still work and just go up there and do it part time. I suppose the difference when I looked at it, so I did the modules that I picked. You have it just that's probably the easiest thing to say that you have a statistical module like you will do with every master's and then you have and then you have some choices and there's like a biomechanics one which was excellent and one of the so one of the world's best biomechan- biomechanists down there sharon dixon has uh, done loads and loads of research and loads of stuff with ben O'Neill and things like that so it was she was there she was my actually thesis lead as well so that was a great module. So that's not really answer the question. And while I did have those two uh, orthopedic surgeons who ran the medical side of things, so you had to have a degree in, yeah, actually, they, they didn't actually allow physios to start with. I had to contact them and say, like, they were only looking at medics. So I, which was a bit strange because every other sports medicine masters, you can do it. But so I, I called them up and they were, they were fine with that. And they said, yeah, no problem at all. So I had an orthopedic a knee surgeon and an orthopedic shoulder surgeon as my leads and then we did very like i had i had to go and spend i don't know how many hours but it was a certain amount of hours that i'd have to go and watch surgery go into esp clinics observe their clinics so it was very medical based and very diagnostic making clinical reasoning and that was the one of the exams was there was a couple of vivas but basically the viva was a whole day where i just did their clinic and they just grilled me out on the clinic and, and I had to do it. So it was, it was very, that was the medical side of things. There was very medical based. They took each part of the joint and there was lectures on that. So it, it was very much up in your clinical reasoning game and your evidence around treatment on that, both surgical and physical. It wasn't just rehab. It was what would you do for this patient? So it was kind of making you ready for an extended scope role, which is what I was doing at the time. And still am doing that because I work half and half. I do NHS in hips, knees, and shoulders as an ESP, and then half the week in my private practice, which is a mixture of stuff. So I, I suppose that's the difference. I don't, I don't like sports rehab. I don't know. I've never, I, I didn't even actually look at those, but I guess it wouldn't have that medical side of things. I was in hospitals and I was, you know, I say I had access to all that kind of medical side of things. And then that prompted you to set up ProcareSportsMedicine.com because I think I remember writing on reading on your website you felt there was a lack of the information which you had picked up. Yeah, so so effectively, what 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 was happening is that in my world, which is physio, what was happening is that patients would come in uh, who were maybe athletically minded, and that population growing as, as you know now, there's a lot more people going to gyms, a lot more people doing athletically athletically minded courses like hit uh, sorry classes and stuff. CrossFit was growing and stuff like that. 
And what they were doing is they were coming in and, and physio departments where I worked in didn't have the equipment to measure or test them or actually show them what to do. So you were getting to a certain level of rehab and then it would have to stop because there was either no equipment available or the skills weren't there in the physios. And then patients were kind of getting told that was the end of the road in some ways. You know what I mean? That's it. Like, you know, you're done. And I was like, going, this isn't right. You know, I mean, how are we getting them back to sport? How are we really get or not even? And it's not everyone thinks when you say sports elite, it's actually just running the weekend, you know, or, or whatever it might be, which is usually related to a lot of these people's anxiety and uh, mental health, you know. So these people were kind of going like, I need to get back running and getting told, well, maybe you should do something else. No offense to GPs, but that kind of old GP role where they were like, look, maybe you should do some different sport, maybe cycling or swimming. And saying that to a runner is like, maybe you should drink cat sick. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, I just, I, I just got this feeling. I was like, it's a big, massive, I suppose, market of people that were probably wandering around going, I need somebody who's going to really understand my world and then be able to give it back to me. And uh, so I thought, right, well, you know, from like, you know, I've been doing it. So 20, odd, 20 years now, maybe 21 years or so. And I just, and I just wanted to gather in enough when I was doing courses, I did my strength and conditioning courses, I did the masters. I was looking at going, right, what do I need to be able to give these people back? And and one of the things was something different. So you have to stand out in the market. If you, you know, physios are notoriously, they're probably better now, or but certainly if you look at the, the whole grand scheme and physios and therapy, so any therapist really, I suppose. The only reason I mentioned physio specifically is because I was looking at them as my competition. But you could say this on any therapist, I guess. You're just looking around at your competition and everyone was saying the same thing. Like a big dollop of vanilla ice cream everywhere. And like I like vanilla, but, you know, some people like coconut and chocolate. Like, you know, and I remember reading when I went into starting up my own business, the best thing I did was did business. I applied to um, local kind of um, commerce kind of uh, business volunteer stuff. You get like free training. I even got £5,000 worth of, of of cash to put into the business. You had to kind of quote for, you had to go and do a kind of presentation and stuff. But they they grilled me for two days about what, why you're doing this. What's your target market? Uh, what are you trying to give to people? What, you know, what's, what's your whole mission around these things? And all like what one, one guy said, like, you know, can you draw your ideal patient? And I was like, kidding. I was like, I don't know, you know, so I'm going to bust it. I'm like, you know, it was really naive. Then he's like, oh, now you, because you can't now talk to them. You're just going to talk like every other physio in this vanilla world. So I, I, what I had to do then was like going, all right, well, I, I read around it and I read the best book I read was Purple Cowboy, Seth Godin. Uh, he's an American marketer. So that was one of the first marketing books I read. And I thought, marketing books, this is going to be awful. And I was following a strength and conditioning guy at the time. His name is Brendan Chaplin. He's quite big now, actually. He's done really well for himself. And he was talking about it. So I uh, read that book and I was like, that's that's perfect. So his, the idea really is you drive along a field and you see a lot of cows. And if you see a purple cow, you're like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, it's a purple cow. That sticks out. So I wanted to stick out in that in that area. And I had done the sports medicine degree. And and I have done a sports science degree, and I thought I want to combine all that. I want to I want to show people straight away that this is slightly different than what you're going to get. And I also position myself in the market with that I give you 90 minutes for an appointment, so it wasn't your traditional 30 minutes. And I don't take insurance unless the insurance pay you, you know, unless they pay them a lump sum and then they pay me. I don't go boop or anything like that because they wouldn't pay that for the time. So I kind of had to commit to that. And I just positioned myself in that. I said, 90 minutes for new patient appointments. And in that time, I, I'm re- that's going to give me enough time as well. And that's the thing I, I like to speak about on a course is there's two people in a room when you're in therapy and you both got anxiety. Now, the patient's got anxiety for different reasons. They'll be anxious you're going to maybe tell them they never can run again or play football or, or to go to the gym or that they're going to need surgery or an injection or something really painful or they've had painful things before in the past you get you get the drift whereas with me i i, I wake up every day and again it, like i guess for a soft tissue therapist or other people's like will this pain go away you know that that feeling of will i be able to help them and when they say oh that's really great you you get this kind of okay now thank god thank god for that you know what i mean like you know the, and so every morning i wake up and i still do it's different every day but i'm like i hope i can i hope i don't fuck up today i hope like hope i really get i solve this problem so Every time I meet a patient, I have to kind of like, right, relax. And one of the things I found was if I have more time, 
I'm way more relaxed because from the word go from a physio, it's like, right, get all, you know, what we were trained is like, get all this information, ask all these questions and then assess them and then do something to them. And then also give them exercise and then make sure they all remember all that. And then they go away in 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> I was like, it's pressure already. So when the we get told to listen, so this communication idea, listen and understand and show empathy. But if you're like going, fucking 10 minutes gone here and all I want to do is get on with this because it doesn't allow you to to listen and shut up and and just be relaxed for a while. Whereas when I know I've got 90 minutes, I really sink down into it and I can just wait there. There's, there's no rush if they're rambling on about something. Because that rambling will probably allow me time to ask a better question. Mm-hmm. you know. Or, and, and I think if you get coaching training or communication training, that's when you know. Because people go, well, what's a better question? Well, you'll start to understand when you do actually communication training because you can start to understand like actually and and it's the timing of asking that question and i think it starts with giving the the the, the physio or the therapist this in in any case the time to do that it's a very long answer it's a great answer and a magnificent segue it's a nice topic that's 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 fantastic it's really interesting and but chapters be on the show we were lucky enough to have him as a guest a while back and that book was mentioned on another podcast i saw the other day the purple cow and the guy who mentioned it was um, he's going to be on the show so great it's nice to hear familiar names and ideas coming out right the time already we better get onto the topic which you've already started to talk about communication i love the way that you say that it's so true that patients anxious oh is he going to tell me i can't do this how long before i can do my next run or whatever it is and also like you say it's true that is thinking oh i hope i'm getting ready i haven't had a good week this week they're all kind of like going away and it's not working other tests to identify it so yeah that's really interesting so the last thing you want to do is just suddenly boil it up in a small 30 minute slot or even an hour sometimes thinking i've got to get it done now very interesting right so those of you who might just jumped into the podcast halfway through because you're lazy and this is optimized communication with clients how to help professionals my guest andrew mccauley so you mentioned their communication and coaching as if they were kind of synonymous what is the kind of link between those two whoa nice one i suppose the best thing i would say because someone oh, i did a recent coaching course which i uh, which i'd done and it was it was a great answer to what is mentoring counseling and coaching because again, you get that answer back about, you know, uh, well, you know, we're not psychologists, which is a common kind of like, if I start talking about understanding mindset or understanding a patient's emotions or feelings, which I'm very big on, really understanding and, and educating yourself on emotional intelligence. Uh, and one of the answers is that counseling is performed by a, a psychotherapist, a psychologist or a psychiatrist who's going to use the past to try and help somebody solve their problem. A mentor is somebody who's using their experience to help you get to maybe where they were or using what they've done as a template or a blueprint to kind of help you. So you're you're seeking them out to say, here's what I've done and this is what I'm going to do, which I thought was useful. And then coaching is when you go to somebody and you have a you have a goal effectively. You have somewhere where you want to be and that coach is going to help take out that information and allow you to get to that goal and build a journey or build steps to get in there. And and part of that is asking very sometimes tricky questions, questions to let to really make that person solve their own problem in a way. So that's what coaching is, and it, and it's and it's in my opinion. And there's there's different definitions to it. I remember being on the course, there was a bunch of things said, but that that's my thing. I'm just trying to get somebody. So whether they're a patient or whatever it is, or even you know my brother or whoever wants has a problem, like well, where are we trying to get to? And then how am I going to be able to help that person solve that problem? And, it, and, it, and communication then is, is, is then a whole bunch of stuff that you can do to improve that coaching experience. Like communication is emotional. It's environmental. So again, I'm very big into some of the studies I mentioned in my uh, course as well is about, you know, how you prepare the patient before they've even met you. So I often, I, in private practice, I speak to every patient generally before I see them. I don't have a booking system online. They contact me and I speak to them first just to make sure it's, a, it's the right fit. But things like the waiting room, what pictures are in the waiting room, what the waiting room is doing, suggesting, you know, is there anything in there that's going to change their behavior? And there's some really good stuff out of Robert Cialdini, who's done a couple of books, one's called Influence, really old kind of psycho marketing book which is amazing and then another one called persuasion 
And he talked about a lot of studies about how your behavior is affected by images you see before you want to, you, you see somebody. So a lot of the, the pictures in my waiting room are about connection. Because again, I'm, I'm one of my coaching models really is that as soon as the patient comes in, I'm going to try and explore them as much as possible as a person. And then as soon as possible, connect to them in some way. So find things that are telling me that I can build connection. Now, if I can build connection before they've even came in the come in the room or as they come in the room, so like a lot of patients will walk through my door and they'll see straight away a, a rack of dumbbells. It's right up to 50 kilos. Now, that's not for everyone. Some people might find that um, intimidating or whatever, but I guarantee you that when I the population I see a lot of is the athletic population, the people who go to gyms, who lift weights, and you see them stop and they'll always make a comment. So they're already, you're already in somebody's head. And you're also, that comment then is an insight into, are they a bit anxious? Somebody, oh, you're not going to make me lift that up. I'm like going, oh, all right. Well, you know, are they scared of that? What, what, you know, that's already in the back of my head as a question. There, there are other people like, oh, no, I can't, believe, how, how's the heaviest? I had a 10 year old in the other day going, can you lift that? Can you lift this? So there's all these kind of like, even with that, you know, 10 year olds are difficult to, to sometimes communicate with when they don't know you. And we're, we're, we're bonding over this kind of, heavyweight rack do you know what i mean so communication is everything you way to deliver that coaching experience and it can be as i say people will often talk about body language which again people kind of talk i i find that communications people overestimate how good they're at it and underestimate how much training they need for it you know they, they underestimate how important it is and i think probably another question you probably would have asked is like i always ask people who come on a course or in education how many how many have you done communication courses in a therapy expo in a room full of i don't know 50 60 70 people and only two people had said they'd done any form of that it's usually motivational interviewing when it comes to therapy but that's it you know and that's great i've done that myself really useful but it's just interesting that people don't value it but once you and from my point of view i'm ranting here but from my point of view it it's the number one skill that if you get better at trumps everything else that you can have all the fucking treatment programs and the exercise plans and that, you know, all that laid out and all, and you, you, know, you don't connect with that person. It really, really is a problem. And the better you get at that and the quicker you get at that and the more you invest in that, the better you will be as a therapist, regardless of soft tissue, physio, chiro, whatever you are. Amazing. Thank oh, you. So much in there. Brilliant. And, and, your communication, I noticed this come up as you were talking, you've already managed to form an alliance with people in the room just by kind of sharing that experience of how even you, someone with 21 plus years experience, still has that same anxious feeling as new therapists. So straight away, that's a nice example of now, I've got this person understands me, my ears are now open. It's like you say, I love the idea that the communication starts not just when you say, oh, how are you? Good morning, my name yeah, or whatever. It's beforehand. And because some people have heard about the kind of nocebo effect of, you know, don't have kind of any of those horrible big red bulging disc diagrams and stuff. And even a meniscus can be taken out of a knee can kind of make the patient start hurting and stuff. But it's interesting, the other side, the whole contextual stuff which you can help with. Yeah, great stuff. And I love that idea that you said of even if someone sees the weight rack and it sparks up a bit of anxiety, if they mention that, well, saw that with the weight's outside, now you know, which you might not have realised after the first session that they have got a little bit of pinosophobia or something kind of like something about lifting weight so great really good and the other thing and i was it, thinking of oh, i was one other thing i just got on back here oh, sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. was was because i can i know how much this will this will resonate with our listeners but the other thing was often social media in particular which is why well, you're not on social media but a lot of social media for a long time has taken away the skills and the tools that particularly soft tissue therapists thought they had no you're not breaking down scar tissue no you're not improving circulation no you're not doing this ha 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 no you're not no you're not no you're not and a lot of people just say well great no i've got nothing i'm going to pack it in but as we've said a lot of times on this show if it's more about facilitating that, not operating on this client in front of you, and it is there for communication, then one of the massive helpful tools in communication is empathy, which you can kind of learn about to train yourself. But I find a lot of soft tissue therapists who like that manual contact anyway, who are prepared to run their fingers up some heavy back full of oil, they've got a natural altruism with them anyway. And they're probably 
it's easier for them to listen, pick up stuff and to reflect. I mean, you can do the courses that really help, but I think in our community, I'm talking now to the listener, there's already that tendency to be a great communicator with some help from people like yourselves. So it's really good to hear you, you putting it that way. That, that's just, yeah, you're like, uh, sorry, yeah, like bad coaching there because it was just, you just triggered about 50 things as well when you said that, which was, was interesting because especially from soft tissue side of things, because it just made me think for, and I don't know if I'd thought it before, but just when you said it, it was, I had a patient the other day and she said it was a, it was a, one of my colleagues brought her to a problem patient and it was 50 minutes of talking basically to unpick this lady. And she was, a, she had a neck problem, uh, but she was a hairdresser. And she went, um, I'm a hairdresser slash counselor. And she laughed kind of thing. She goes, but like, that's exactly it. So you're, 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 it's touch or, you know, whatever they're chopping hair, but people talk all the problems to a hairdresser and they feel pretty good and they actually enjoy the hairdresser or the barbers or whatever you go to. And I think when it comes to soft tissue therapists, it's like, I think this is the other thing they have to embrace in is if they were to add really good um, counseling or coaching skills. Sometimes when people are relaxed, they, some people don't want to talk, but if they do want to talk, you've got an absolute insight into being able to kind of really get down to what's going on with them from a, you know, so whatever about what you're doing to their, to their bodies is you're actually putting them in a state where they, cause I love a massage and I'm like going, I, I can really kind of come away completely clear minded afterwards. And if you add that kind of social communication skill, because again, you might just think you're good at it, but are you? Are you waiting? Are you asking those right questions to these people? You know, whatever about those kind of mental health effects you get from soft tissue, it, you add that with the communication. You're going to, you're really going to ramp up your, people are going to be walking away going, that, that person is amazing. And they won't know why, but they will tell all their friends. And that's kind of a part of, you know, they, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I don't really have that model where people see me loads of times because of the time frame is quite long. I actually did see people very few times, but I'm relying on them to have such a good experience, hopefully, that they will tell other people. And because I can give them enough time, I can build connection because of an hour and a half. In an hour and a half with somebody, you start, I want to know about the, I'm like quite, I'm, you know, being Irish, I don't know if it's Irish thing, but I'm, I'm quite nosy. I'm quite interested in people. So I'm, I'm, I'm not from England. So I'll, if you're from Manchester or, or wherever, I'll find out about that. I'll find out about football teams, kids' names, dogs' names, why they like this, why they've come to Cornwall, you know, life-changing things. And you will get bucket loads of information. And actually, you get that really good connection where people start to, like, with red flag questions, for example, they'll actually start to tell you proper red flag questions, you know, you know, ones around mental health potentially, ones around maybe even spinal ones like toilet, et cetera, sex life, et cetera, you know, which... You meet somebody for the first time and in five minutes, you're banging out questions around spinal red flags. No one's going to be telling you between you and a curtain that they've got like, you know, no erections, especially a 25 year old lad. Do you know what I mean? We've kind of escalated to that quite quickly, but do you know what I mean? It's, it's all part of that same thing is if you want to have good clinical reasoning or make sure you triage somebody well, sometimes it's actually, yeah, you're 15 minutes in before you're going to get any information from these people. They have no idea who you are. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I think that's the thing. So as soon as you can build trust and as Seth Golden was saying, like, this is where you can get great out, you know, looking outside of the world of health to get more ideas. His whole thing, you mentioned empathy is empathy, trust are huge in marketing. And, and people see marketing as a bad, a bad word or it's like sales. It's, it's totally not that. It's trying to provide a service or, or, or something for, for, to solve a problem for somebody. And we're hopefully solving people's health goals or athletic goals or whatever you want to call it. And if you can do that with trust and empathy, then, you know, he's made, you know, he's, he's worked with billion dollar companies just off those kind of ideas. So why can't we do that with, with patients and take it from other parts of, of business, if you like? Yeah, great points. And again, I resonate a lot with our listeners. You mentioned, I was going to ask you about red flags. We've talked a lot about how, again, soft tissue therapists, for example, a massage therapist, to a lot of stuff is going to be out of their scope. Even a level four, level five, a lot of the stuff they're not going to be able to deal with. And that's where, as we'll talk about next week, you do, you may well need to hand over to a physiotherapist who have been trained during their career to, to look after something like that, or a specialist for a physio, it might be a male health or female health or something. But it's 
these people who need to be checked out by a specialist will probably come to us, and by that I mean the massage therapist or um, the sports massage therapist first, because they think that if they want that time out, they want that hour lying down, they don't probably want to go to the GP because they're worried they're going to get all these questions. So if, and also they're going to, even though they don't want to talk about, let's say, for example, the erection problems, even if they don't want to talk about that, it's something they're carrying around with them causing all sorts of secondary problems and mental health problems. By the time they're with you and they're relaxed and you're massaging them, we know that massage can affect the nervous system and it's been shown in studies to reduce anxiety and depression. And get that therapy line. So they might say, well, you know, you, you had that box where you asked me to talk about patients and stuff. I mean, actually, it has been an issue. I haven't told anyone before. And bam, you could be saving that person five years from misdiagnosis or no diagnosis. So it's a beautiful thing that, that massage therapists, I've always shattered on about this, have got a massive responsibility as well to, to signpost, but only if you've got the right communication, like you say. Yeah, and I think I think this good one just I think might be useful as well for your listeners is like interesting, like we're talking about building a brand. Like this took a it took a long time, you know what I mean? Like like I'm busy now, but this took a while to to get across to people that the time I would. And then that would obviously come at a cost as well, but it built up through, you know, you, you got word of mouth stuff. And one of the best word of mouth ones was I kept getting this referral from, I just kept hearing his name. His name is Jay Grady. Now he runs a podcast called The Trail and Nerm, which is a, a ultramarathon and trail running uh, podcast. I don't know if you know him, but they, they do all the, the ultramarathons down here in Cormacet. But Jay, I kept hearing him, oh, Jay, Jay's referred me to you. And I was like, all right, all right, yeah. And I thought he was a physio in my head. I don't know why I just had it in my head. And I kept going, all right. And patient after patient was Jay. Jay sent me. Jay said you're the man. Jay, and I was like, and eventually, I I think Jay he actually texted me going, oh, I think I need to see you from a knee. And I was like, Jay, I've got to say thanks a million, but I have no idea who you are. And it turns out anyway that it, he came to me and we got on like a house on fire. And he's this uh, ex ex military uh, sports massage therapist. And he's absolutely brilliant. And he, he the runner community love him. And he's he's really good. But what, when I started chatting to him, he was basically on the same, exactly the same kind of idea about communication. And he, what, one of his patients had come to me was a cardiac surgeon who'd come to me and I sorted his knee out. And he said, oh, this guy's doing well, you know, and I really liked him. And that's what Jay then did. He just went, oh, right, we'll recommend him. Then Jay came to see me and then went through the same process and we had a great chat. And from now on, it's like he still sends me so many people but what's great about it is people really have a great respect for him because they're like going, they know where he, he knows where he, where to put me so that I can get back to him because they all use him still monthly. You know, they're not going to use me monthly. They're going to go back to him or every couple of months or whatever because they enjoy what he does and how they get him back running. But this relationship that was built out of not even me knowing it, but then once I did know about it, it was kind of opened up even another level of kind of, trust between me and him there was no kind of like all right he's going to keep patience or they're not going to come back to me it was this just like we were both open-minded whereas i've come across in the past sometimes in not even into therapists just therapists well like this is you're going to take my patients i'm like there's plenty of patients to go around and i tell you what the more friendly you get with your your local uh, snc coaches or your personal trainers and it doesn't take much and i went on jay's podcast and i had a chat with him and tristan who's an, who's an elite ultramarathon runner. And then you get people listening and they're going, oh, wow, that's exactly what I need. I didn't even know that service was available. And you just have to offer your time like tonight. It's just these kind of conversations. The next thing you know, you're putting yourself out there and you're just, and you're saying things. And then next thing referrals are coming from random places, you know? So that was a really good story because it, again, it was intertherapy. I didn't even know about it. And then once you did know about it, it was just, a really nice re- relationship that's kind of developed ever since. And, you know, I, I support his kind of charities and stuff. So it's, it's pretty good. That's amazing. And you say this guy, Jay, he's a sports massage therapist by traders. Yeah. So yeah. how was he knowing when to refer on and he done extra courses because his own studies wouldn't have given him that information? How was he? Yeah. So, he, so I think what, what's happening is obviously he, he just knows when things, what he's, what his skills are, are just not working or when mm-hmm. people just have a problem that are, require an assessment. And he just does it early. He doesn't wait around. You know, he doesn't do 10 sessions and then like, all right, now it's, I'm not fit. You know, he'll do what he can. And if he's making improvements, you know, he'll keep going with it uh, within his wheelhouse. But what he's, he's really good is like, look, just get this checked out. And then, and then I, you know, it's, he just does it fast enough. And, and he, but it, we, it, whatever about that, he, he trusts me and I trust him. So again, that's the other thing. It's like, 
the one thing I would always ask, and it's what Seth Godin, I, I did a course with Seth Godin, this marketer, I keep talking about him, but I did a, like a three-month thing where you go online and you discuss it with other people trying to set up businesses. And one of the things was you have to, you got us to do one task, which is like, why do you buy stuff from a brand? Like, why do you, you know, I, I, I chose Adidas and I was like, why are, why does Adidas mean a lot to me? And well, what, you know, I'm like, you know, is it the, you know, it's just the same as everything else. But, and then I traced it right back to like, I support Man United and Man United were Adidas supported. They had a lot of, I remember the, the, the Trefoil originals badge was my first kit. I was well into the Beastie Boys. That was my first albums when I was young. So it was like Beastie Boys, hip hop, rave culture. And then I was like, they're all Adidas, you know, and it was then, and it was football casuals. And you're just kind of going, I can, I don't like Adidas. I just like the culture around it. And then Fred Perry was the same. You know, I was like, why am I into Fred Perry? Again, the same kind of idea of uh, music culture and stuff like that. And I was like, going, why do you buy things? And if you can find out why you buy brands or what brands have spoken to you in your language. And once you can understand that, then you have to speak in other people's language about health or massage or what you're going to do to solve their problem. So I don't know where I've got onto that. I can, I do rant a little bit. Sorry about that. But, but it's that, it's that idea of why do you trust people? Why do I trust Jay? Uh, we've built a relationship up now, but he knows that I'm not going to be doing anything more than just going, right, well, I'm going to recommend Jay to people. I'm going to recommend any soft tissue therapist who come to me and who I really trust their, uh, trust the, that they've stuck their neck out and come to me and gone, look, I, I'm doing this and this is what I believe in and I like your stuff. I'm going to recommend you. You know what I mean? It, it, don't don't be shy to go in. And if anyone's rude to you, then they're a dick and you don't move on. You know what I mean? But there's always going to be dicks. But try, try and then, you know, there's definitely good ones out there. And I think it's, it's absolutely essential that you go out and stick your neck out and, and speak to people. Good. That's really healthy information. I love the analogies. Here. Why do you like your brand? Uh, for years, I thought it was Adidas because of the London MC song because they were my Adidas and people were correcting me the whole time on have it. But yeah. And this brings us on kind of to the second part. We've talked about how communication is so important, even pre-booking. I love the idea. I'm the same. I'll always have a conversation with the person just to check whether they're the right person with each, with each other. I don't like turning down yeah. business, but if I think that they've got something which is not in my scope, I don't want to waste their time. Come to me. Waste my time. So that's, I'm sure a lot of therapists don't do that because they're worried about losing it. But that person is more likely to come back to you who going, you know what, this is what you have to say. I think you should go and check out with so and so. I'll give them a call and tell you anyway. Can I be important? Can I just mention can I just mention, yeah, on that mm. point as well, which I think is useful, um, is I get people who call me up and I could spend like sometimes if I've got the time, I can spend 15 minutes. Now if you get a business coach or someone with a mark, you know, someone who's, who's really sales oriented, they yeah, you should charge for this and you should do that. I'm not I'm <laughs> that's not my it's a bit like the social media side of things. I'm like, I've done this where I've spent time with somebody because Cornwall gets lots of tourists. And I remember one, again, someone rang me up and they're going, we're on holidays, my next kid, I said, I'm really sorry, I don't have any appointments, but tell me what's going on and I'll try and help you out, you know, and then I'll see if there's anyone else available, you know, locally, because, you know, the holidays ruined, it'd be nothing worse. So I just would go through red flags and just make sure, like, do you need to go in A&E? Something like a ball egg in A&E for five hours to realize you didn't need to be there, you know? So I was like, right, let's go through that. Let's see what you, what have you done? Have you even taken any painkillers? You know, what's your medical history? Just kind of go through and say, look, Worst, you, you could do nothing more than maybe go and do this and some advice like that. And, and it was weird. I've done that several, you know, several, how many times I've had people contact me because they obviously often come down here and they stay with family. And then the family get in touch with me going, oh, you were really, really nice to our Auntie Mary or whatever. And that's the reason why we looked you up and we want to come. In. And there's absolutely no doubt that they will um, book in an appointment. And I've had that several times. And the one time there was very one that's so I'm always like try and be sound to people as much as I possibly can, and then try and help them out. Or I'll say, look, I'll send you a physio, that's a neurophysio or a neurotherapist or a massage therapist, whatever it is. I'll say, look, you go see them. But it was one day, and I answered the phone when I shouldn't have answered the phone, which is it was lashing rain. I was just finishing work. I can't remember. It was so I was stressed about something. Something really stressed in my mind, and I I think it's the same that happens when you see patients. What your mindset is like is going to affect your communication. Anyway, I answered this phone to this guy. I was more short than normal. I remember it massively because he, he was kind of looking and he, he was looking for a massage and I don't do massage. So I kind of went, I just kind of went, oh, look, 
I, I haven't got an appointment for about three weeks and I don't do massage anyway. Now, it wasn't that bad, but it was a bit wanky. I, no, it wasn't how I normally speak to people like that. And because I, I was just like, and it was, I remember closing the door to cars, like, you know what I mean? I, and then I kind of went, why did I answer the phone? Anyway, I'm driving along. 10 minutes later, boom, Google review comes up. One star. <sighs> and I, don't ha- I didn't have a one star. At five star, oh, wow. I was like, and it was like, you know, and, it, and what, he ri- what he wrote down, like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was an emotional, you know, the, you know, what he wrote down was, was unfair. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, but I, I didn't do, I, I, I was well below standard. So because he'd rang me, I, I stopped, I pulled over and I just went, I just, I, I, um, I, I tried to ring him and then I, I, I sent him a text and I said, hands up. I was rude. I just did a whole, just went, Rock, I'm really sorry. This is, this, and I get, I, I really, I, I was genuine. I did, I kind of went, this is all against, I, you know, I said to people, oh yeah, be really sound and all this. And I was, I was, I was a bit of a dick there. And he took it down and he was really sound and he went, no worries. I get it. Thanks for, thanks for sending me the text and, and stuff. And I went, oh yeah, really sorry. And he didn't understand that I didn't do hands-on therapy. And his, his thing was physios do that. And, and that's mm-hmm. why he got a bit confused, but it was, a, I tell you what, man, I'll never do that again. It just made me feel, I was like, don't answer the phone when you're not ready. Check how you are before you're about to make a call. Just make sure you've got the patience for that. Otherwise, your communication will be affected no matter what, what you think, you know. And it's the same when you're about to see patients as well. Like, yeah, I have to give myself sometimes a bit of a, you know, beforehand. You're like, right, give a minute or right, get focused on them. I've just heard some bad news, you know, plumbing job at home or something like that, you know. And you're like, oh, shit, I've got to deal with that later. How am I going to get out of that zone right now? Because I can't do anything about that. And I need to help this person because if I don't, it's Friday night, it's five o'clock. They could be that one star review again. So I've got to get into the mindset that they're go- I have to give everything to them at that point. And, and that takes practice, I think. Great. That really powerful story. Yeah. And the negative side of poor communication as well. That's the good communication. Yeah. No, really good. Yeah. Think before you pick up that phone or see the next patient. We've all done it. You know, you, you then project your problem onto that next patient. They're just coming on for some help. And you're just like, oh, yeah. right. Here again, are you? I'm sorry last week. And you're like, what am I talking about? Yeah, no, great. Really good stuff. That kind of takes us into, we've already talked about um, talking with other professionals. Sometimes, yeah, just referring on is a great way of, of networking, not being afraid that these other professionals are going to steal all your business, which is an old model of, you know, which we need to get rid of. Because, like you say, becoming that therapist who people think if they don't feel they're the right person, they'll say it's the right person. That's brilliant. And there's still not many yeah. of those therapists around. That was a really good business model. And once everybody does that, we'll find something else. But but for the moment, that's that's a really solid, great piece of advice. I think it comes out of anxiety, though, isn't it? Because every therapist, when they start off, they think they have to, you know, you're business hungry, aren't you? You've got no patience. You're scared. You know, you've got rental, which... and you know, you've got to do all that. And I remember when I started off, I just went, right, how am I going to build? That was all I kept doing. It was like, got to build relationships. I got to go and do talks. I went into running clubs. I went, you know, and then everyone says that, but you know what I mean? But I have to make the talks good though. You can't just go in and do a crap presentation. And I don't think I said it was brilliant, but I, I really spent time with it. You know, it was, it was, and I tried to look at the audience and I was trying to think, how am I going to make this 20 minutes memorable for them? And make sure that I they un- I understand them. That was what I tried to do, and I I hope that's what I always do with talks is that people are like they he gets it, he gets me, and therefore I trust him for some reason. Like you trust Daddy Das or whatever it is, you know you buy that brand because you trust it for some reason. Trust is a kind of funny word when it comes to clothes, but that's what you're buying. You're you're you're, you're doing that. So so I think it's uh, yeah really important if you're there. Just you, you've got to you got to think. Well, I've got this two hours where I've no patience. Don't go and try and panic on that. Stick to your, you know, set out what you want to be as a therapist. Set out the kind of people you want to treat and then talk in their language. So like if you want to see females versus males or or mixed, you still got to speak in different languages. If you're going to see an age group above 40, then you're going to speak a different way. If you're going to in, in 20s, you're going to you're going to dress a different way. You know, all that everything is is targeted towards, you know, connecting with that person. Like I have a Garmin watch. Now I'm not a, a CV person. I'm more into weights and football and things. But I have a Garmin watch because I wanted a really nice watch. I like the look of it. But 
I now learned all the, like, I learned all what it does, which is really useful when you're speaking the language of a runner who fucking knows everything about the Garmin watch. And they're like, oh, here, look at my, you know, like, <laughs> they bring up the, the, the Excel spreadsheet and you're like, well, I need to know about this. So I had to study that. But like, I don't use half the stuff on it. But I do know that people, when they come in the clinic and they go, we've got the same watch. There's a there's a thing called the similarity principle, and the more you're similar to somebody, the more connection you're going to have. It's usually why your friends are similar to you, and because you know you hardly like you don't. Most of your mates are not the complete opposite. Of you they don't you don't like you know classical, and they like heavy metal. You know, it's there's usually you know there's something there that you connect about, and and that's the thing is how do you build that connection? And and again, the simplest thing is a watch. They're like, all right, that guy. He gets me. He speaks my language. That's the brand. He uses that brand. He understands even the socks people wear nowadays. You can, you know, it's it, every little bit is it, you, you fine tune it. And then suddenly people are, they start thinking, why, why am I telling this person more information? It's because they trust you. So yeah. Anyway. Really interesting. I was guess once upon a time, this is this, and this is a whole other topic, but it's in my mind because we're talking a lot about contextual effects, which once upon a time we would have called placebos, but we're realizing now it's not really placebo because a placebo by definition is something that has no effect. What we're talking about is how by wearing that watch, when you know the runner coming in would appreciate that watch, you're getting that therapeutic alliance, which is going to help you diagnose them better, which is going to help you get them to recover. So it's not a placebo at all. It's really important, isn't it? The posters on the walls, the music you've got playing, everything. Yeah, uh, like John Kiley is a sport. He runs the PhD in sports and exercise kind of, yeah, he, he's an ex-athlete, ex-elite coach, very good publisher in papers. He's on loads of podcasts. Type John Kiley. He's up in UCLA, University of Central Lancashire, Irish as well, so obviously mm-hmm. very good. I love his stuff. I love when he talks as well. He's so hot. He was quite... He's always trying to solve problems. You can tell him he's just always trying to, you know, he's not trying to spout his knowledge. He's just going, you know, and there's another thing and I need to, he's always questioning and stuff. And he did great papers around the old um, periodization, challenged all that dogma. And, and, and he, oh, a lot of his stuff come out. It's just basically with athletes, it's no different than patients. Is The most important thing is that relationship you, you build with them and, how you, and, and trust and connection. Far more important. They'll tell you how they slept. They'll tell you if they're ready for a hard training session or not. But they will tell they will not tell you that if they don't trust you. So it's that connection. And if you look at things like Alex Ferguson's book on leadership, he talks again about it. He's he's renowned for that. Nothing to do with his tactical stuff. It's all got to do with he knows a group of people mentally where they're at. And they trust him to do a certain job, and that that's what it's all about. So it's over and over again this kind of idea that they're soft skills. Communication is a, a beast that's constantly changing all the time. And you can constantly improve it all the time. It's the only skill in therapy. Like if you go down to the shop, you could be just sounder to that person at the shop counter and be sound and be nice and look at them in the eyes and maybe be nice. You could change that and to make their day and make your own day. Just like that. There's nothing else you can do that's like that. You're always trying to, to, to hone those skills and just think, well, how can I make, even when you're chatting to your friends or chatting about anything it's kind of like how do how would i ask that again or how am i more entertained and why why is why is that person entertained and why am i actually listening to them so you can always change it and always learn so you don't have to always go on courses you can just become a bit more conscious so it's really cool but it's not soft and it's really really it's really really tricky i would say and i think getting good frameworks or, or foundations in some courses is definitely worth doing i would say it's nearly import, more important than anything else yes definitely well You've, you've fought a good argument, and that leads on nicely onto my next question: is courses. You obviously use a lot of this in your courses, and you've got an unraveling strength and conditioning for therapists coming up soon. I think in February is it end of February? Yeah, yeah, Manchester. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. yeah. So I, I Encore or HDPN and Encore are usually the providers of the course, and then I do some private ones as well, which is on you know my social media, which is I say minimal, but yeah, I do them. Yeah, doing around the country all around so Manchester next one in, in February fantastic and because of the title unraveling strength and conditioning for therapists that's quite a like an open title people aren't going to straight away think oh yeah this is the guy who's an expert on communication is that on purpose yeah or? Uh, yeah it's a good question and um, I started the course with like so unraveling is there mm. you know what I mean I highlight that in because people see S&C but it's mm. unraveling S&C because I'm not training you to be a, an S&C coach 
your 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 a lot of therapists, a lot of them aren't physios. They, rehab therapists, soft tissue GPs have been on there. Students have been on there. So the idea is to open up. Thinking, what's the most important word in therapy? Is my question I ask the, at the very beginning. I get people to say, "What? Well, just one word? What would you say is the most important one in all types of ther- in all kinds of therapy?" And people throw loads of stuff, and nothing's ever you know, physical or exercise or anything like that. It's all emotional words usually or, you know, like relationship, you know, listening, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it, so they come up with these words, but really what links them all is communication. And so wh- when it comes to, when I did strength and conditioning courses and what actually they call themselves is strength and conditioning coaches. So coaching is in their title as well. And when I did that, actually quite a lot of, the course, you know, whatever about exercises, a lot of it was like, how do you coach the cue? How do you cue this person to be able to perform a movement? So the language of coaching was really important. It was a really good book by Nick, Nick Winkleman on that. But there's, there's even that. So it was like, it was always down to the words and the communication rather than the exercises themselves. So what I try and do in the course is, yes, use all this communication, but then when it comes to exercise prescription, it also helps you with deciding whether someone's going to do one exercise 10 exercises, three, how often they're going to do it, because you're going to have to break down their week and you're going to have to also gain their trust that they're going to commit to what you've asked them to do. Because no one's going to commit to some of the stuff that, that we asked them to do, especially if they, if they don't do exercise already. It, the chances of them doing exercise is pretty much zero. And there's some really interesting research on adherence. If you have to change behavior or change any existing habits, and there's one other, I can't remember off the top, it's on a slide. This really kind of is basically the essence of therapy. You have a 70% reduction in adherence if you, if you have to do all those things, which is, so we're up against it if you prescribe exercise to people. So I, I'm trying to break down patients into kind of, how do you know what type of patient you have in front of you? you and therefore you'll be able to say, well, actually, you're only going to give them advice and education today, or you're only going to give them one exercise. And that exercise is this. Um, and then when you do do strength exercises, are you measuring so that you can give people feedback for that? Is that useful? So how useful is measurement? And for the right patients, it's, it's amazing. And then prescribing strength appropriately, because a lot of people prescribe strength and it's really not what the researchers show. So it's, it's, it's not, or not the researchers show, but it's not the effective way of, of gaining strength. So it's, it's kind of like a, you're right. It's a communication coaching course but it's for in order to improve exercise commitment how you get people to actually commit to the things you've asked them to do really a lot of people come off the course and they're going to go that course is more from for me as a therapist than a, than patients because i always and i i did a psychology course once serena simmons she does a lot of stuff with claire minchel serena was saying, i remember her starting the course we're going like you know, in order to, you know, work on other people, you need to, you need to know yourself pretty well, you know, and if you can practice those things, then you can, you can help other people. And and I think that's, that's what I'm trying to do on the course is like, open yourself up your own mindset to use a therapist. And then, then you'll be able to suddenly see the patients in front of you, if you like. Great advice. So let's bring up your website for people who are watching live on YouTube. I'll bring it up on the screen. So we've got all details, of course, details on there, or were they best to go to socials, Instagram, at Pro Care Sports? Okay, right. So we'll make sure that all of these details and links are in the uh, show notes as well. But um, there's a lot of information and details about uh, Pro Care, on Pro Care Sports Medicine dot co uk, isn't it? Dot uh, com. Well, they can, com, you can, yeah, you can also email me. And I'm happy to if people are struggling to find things or just want questions um, or anything about how I practice or whatever. Just, yeah, the email is on there. It's info at procaresportsmedicine.com. So it's pretty straightforward. It's all on there. Um, but yeah, ha- happy to take questions or whatever from uh, from them on email if, if they want to. That's very kind. And then uh, you've also got links there to Facebook. If that's the place you like to hang out. Also on Instagram as well. It's some of information there and twitter is you personally isn't it twitter is at mccauley andrew yeah that's right so lots of ways to contact you and like i say you've got a course coming up i think i've got a splash screen on there i don't think it's gonna be very big but that was uh yeah twitter feed that was so that's the 24th and 23rd 24th of february 23rd 24th. it's a saturday sunday in a really nice venue in that and um, sports performance place in manchester so it'll be really good got nice equipment and stuff are there still places on there in case someone listens to podcasts? Uh, should, they should be, yeah. It should be, yeah. 
Fantastic. Okay, wonderful. Great. Right. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. The listeners have voted, and that's a great podcast tonight, guys. Thank you, Andrew, says Vernon Smith. Thank you very much, Vernon, for attending once again. Alison Matheson, it's an interesting topic. Thank you. And, yeah, thank you, as always, people have joined us live. It makes all the difference. Um, it used to be a lot more, so we really appreciate you guys, because I just prefer being live. It's, it's instantaneous. It's, it's, I like the conversation. It's nice putting our speakers on the spot, but they're such pros. They can handle anything. And you come up with wonderful kind of analogies, like I prefer to drink catsick and things like this. Every time I speak to a new guest, there's some wonderful new ways of looking at life. That way it's <laughs> going to be a T-shirt. So, but catsick. Yeah. Uh, no, no, yeah. Okay, that. I'm going to need another one. That's fine. That'll, that'll, no, no, you don't. Oh, well, that'll be in the show notes as well in case you need to get around. Yeah. So brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate Thank your you. time. And like I say, people, it does kind of tie in when you talk about communication with other therapists. It does tie in with the episode, which will be episode 183 of the Listen Podcast. But it will be recorded, as always, live on Tuesday, the 30th of January. Physiotherapy versus sports therapy, which is a bit of a clickbait title. I'm not going to lie. But hey, that's what you're going to do for marketing. And Andrew Corey says there's nothing wrong with marketing. So... So that's great. It's going to be a lovely group of physio to sports therapists who will be discussing. There's sometimes tomorrow's relationship, like I say, between physios and STs, but also building on what we've talked about today, how at the end of the day, if it's good communication, you'll realize there's more similarities and differences in it. And there's the patient you want to help. And if the patient's health, then that's going to help the business. It's as simple as that, really. So we need to communicate with each other. And as a special, Jim Oliver, who's the founder of the MSK Hub, Supported by Physiomats and Mehab is allowing us to stream it live there. So there should be some great live questions as well from all different types of therapists. So if you do want to join us live, give me a goodie. Just go along to either YouTube, Sports Therapy Association, or you can go along to Facebook page, Sports Therapy Association, or you can join us live from the MSK Hub, supported by Physiomats and Mehab Facebook group. But for tonight, thank you again, Andrew McCauley. Really appreciate it. I'll put, you on the spot. I'll put you on the spot now and say, would you come back sometimes? I think there's so much more again. We just dipped into something. Oh, God, yeah. I'll talk, I'll talk for days, man. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'd <laughs> lovely to have you back at some point. It'd be really cool. No, I'd love um, it. Thanks. Thank you. Right. Thanks, everybody. And like I say, if you listen to podcasts, do please leave us a little review and a rating. It just helps the word of great guests like Andrew get out there more. Um, if you joined us live, thank you once again. And hopefully we'll see some of you at 8 o'clock next Tuesday. Take care. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.